It's a wonderful thing to reflect on the Word of God as we worship. That wonderful, good confession that He commanded us to. I never thought about in the presence of many and before Pontius Pilate. This is a Pontius Pilate time we live in history. The gods of this world have risen and swollen themselves in front of us and even look at us and say, what is truth? What is truth? Like you can tell me what truth is. The saddest thing about Pontius Pilate's statement to Jesus was that he did not wait for the answer from the author of truth standing right in front of him, but turned to the voice of the crowd, to his schedule, to his life, and truth was standing in front of him. So this is the kind of we see ourselves in the, the same time and the same era as Christ. What an honor it is. What an honor it is. Well, we're going to start a new series this morning in that line. And I don't want the title to scare you. It is meant to be encouraging. Beware of. We're going to study the beware of statements in the New Testament. Jesus specifically tells his disciples, beware of and then teaches. Beware of and then teaches. It often follows something that just happened with the, either um, the, the leaders of the, the time or uh, wrong teaching or doctrine. So we're going to study these different scriptures. But because this, I, I don't want this to scare you. None, none of the Bible shouldn't scare, scare you at all. Encourages you. Yes, it does convict you. But I was thinking about that statement, beware of. And the first thing that popped into my mind was like the beware of signs. Back in the day, I had a grandfather who really wasn't, he grew up in a time when land ownership, everyone just kind of hunted wherever they wanted to. So when all the signs started getting put up and you weren't supposed to be there, he didn't really care. So he just kept going. So we would be, we'd be on property. I'm like nine years old. Papa, are we supposed to be here? Yeah, yeah, it's totally fine. No problem. Was that a sign back there? Did that say no trespassing? I've been hunting here since I was a kid. Don't worry about it. And I'm like, but the sign said, and I remember one time we walked through this, we went through this fence, and I knew, even in my nine-year-old spirit, I don't think we're supposed to be doing this. And I'm walking right in front of him, trucking along, trying to look, we're looking around, looking at squirrels, whatever, and his large hand hits me in the back and pushes me down to the ground. And he's 60-something years old, laying on the ground with me. Good thing he was in the military. <laughs> Stephen, be quiet. Why? Did you see something? He goes, no, there's a man walking in the field. I said, are we not supposed to be here? No, not exactly. <laughs> he was many things. He was not boring. He was not boring. I army crawled out of that field. <laughs> the only army crawl I've ever done in my life. So let me show you a few funny signs that made me think about that when I went through. This is wrong and a little morbid, but... Do not touch. Not only will this kill you, it will hurt the whole time you're dying. The whole time. <laughs> Stay off the tracks. They are, not, they are only for trains. If you can read this, you are not a train. That was made for my son. <laughs> I have many times said negative things about cats on this stage. I know I shouldn't have, but when I read that, I thought, I'm vindicated. I am vindicated. <laughs> Do not enter or enter. I'm a sign, not a cop. <laughs> Every kid was excited to see that one. This one confused and amazed me. Avocado theft is a crime, first of all. We need to all know that. I want you all to be aware of that. 
but moreover, I don't know if you can do that, punishable up to one year in jail and are a $5,000 fine. And it has a, uh, a, a number on it to tell you what it is. And all suspicious persons, um, we're going to let you know about it. That is just hilarious. And accidents are prohibited on this road. You don't have them. Do not have accidents on this particular road. Left lane ends. Go ahead. Pull your huge SUV. And I can't even get that one out. <laughs> I've had that happen to me so many times. <laughs> Do not breathe under the water. My son laughed at this one profusely last night. Do not breathe under the water. This is good for this time of year. Get out of the sun. If your skin tone matches this sign. <laughs> That's informative. That's a good one to know. No trespassing. We're tired of hiding the bodies. That's the Robinson family up in North Louisiana. Do not walk on rocks. If you do and file suit claiming injury, this sign will be marked Exhibit A. <laughs> Caution. Please be aware that this balcony is not on the ground level. <laughs> Think. I'll let y'all read that one and just laugh. Touching wires causes instant death, and after you're dead, we are going to find you. 200 bucks, 200 big ones. I'm going to go collect it at the funeral home. <laughs> warning, warning, warning. Some silly, uh, most silly. Uh, Paul, the, the, Paul the Father warns, says these type of things multiple times in the Bible. Before we go to our main text in Matthew, let me read a couple of them. One's in Acts and one's in 1 Corinthians. Look at this. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years, this is him talking to a church before he leaves, three years, I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. Warnings are serious in the kingdom of God with God's people and God's leaders. We read, read the lighthearted ones, and in our culture, you know, we silly things, we're like, you know, these ridiculous signs or whatever. But Paul had very clear concerns. He was very adamant to be a warner, to be, make people aware of the things going on in his time and culture. Let me read one more. I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. This is how you know to listen to someone's warnings. Does that person love you? If you want to gain influence over people that are doing things that you know are destructive, love them like a father, like a mother, and they will heed your warnings. That is the way we warn people in love. So let's turn to Matthew 16, our main text. Let's learn something from the Word of God here. Of course, the ultimate in all things is Jesus. So we're going to look at, over these next few weeks, Jesus and Matthew, Mark and Luke, and then we will end with a, an excellent uh, video about our culture. Matthew 16, 1 through 12. That is in four weeks. I'm going way too ahead of myself. Y'all are just thinking about this service and lunch. Verse 16, 1. Then the Pharisees and Sadducees came and testing him asked that he would show them a sign from heaven. Let me set this up. The, Jesus has just fed the thousands, the 4,000, the second time he did it. He has crossed the sea 
of Galilee, he got out of the boat and the opposition is right there in his face. These Pharisees and Sadducees are right there. Verse 2. He answered and said to them, When it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. Again, truth is standing in front of them, like with Pontius Pilate, and they cannot recognize the Savior and Creator of the world. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah the prophet. Now, if you know a few verses earlier, chapters earlier in Matthew, Jesus has been more specific and said, no sign will be given except that of Jonah the prophet, who will be three days and three nights in the earth like Jonah was in the belly of the fish. And this, he just he says that again because he's already said it once. And he left them and departed. Verse 5. Now when his disciples came to him on the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said to them, Take heed or pay attention and beware of the leaven, the yeast of course, of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves saying, It is because we have taken no bread. But Jesus being aware of that said to them, Oh, you of little faith, why do you reason among yourselves because you have brought no bread? Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up, nor the seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many large baskets you took up? How is it you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread? But again, he says it because he loves us. He will say the same thing over and over until we get it. He's not an impatient boss trying to wait for, we don't get it, so get that person out and get someone in who will know it the first time. He's a father and he loves us, so he says it again. But to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees. First of all, this story is very unique when we start off because the Pharisees and the Sadducees have diametrically opposed views. Why in the world they're ever coming together is miraculous. Or I should say not miraculous, is diabolical. They totally disagree on almost everything. But when there is something greater, they say, well, we'll just get together and we'll try to stop this. So the Pharisees. First of the Pharisees, the letter of the law, highly controlling, moral by their, on their outside, moral for the sake of morality, moral for the sake of control. They um, loved the high places. The, one of the major differences between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, there's so many, the Pharisees believed in the supernatural and resurrection of the body. The Sadducees did not. Do not think of the Sadducees as a religious group. They were not really religious. They, were not, um, sup- they didn't think about spiritual things. They were highly socialistic. They were aristocratic. They were highly political. They were often wealthy. They, the only God they believed in was like a deist God. 
a God who is, who is distant, who is separated, and really what they wanted was power and influence. Now, they had a problem, the Sadducees, with Rome. The Pharisees were okay if you can let me run my little um, country and Rome be in charge as long as Rome, and Rome didn't mess with them. The, the Pharisees had worked out more alliances with Rome than the Sadducees had. So they're very different, but they come together in this story. Just to give you some background of understanding these two being together. Let's look at this. Verse 3, let's learn something. You know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. You cannot discern what Isaiah said, that unto us a child would be born. That the government would be on his shoulders. You cannot discern the over 300 scriptures in the Old Testament about the one standing in front of you. The one standing in front of you that's open blind eyes that just miraculously have fed thousands. You cannot discern for your own agenda. You cannot discern that he's the one right in front of you. So one of the first warnings of Jesus and a very powerful one. Number one on your notes. Spiritual blindness is our constant enemy. We need to be aware that the Bible says we know in part and see in part and to be vigilant to, to see 2020 according to the word of God and the spirit of God. Amen? Spiritual blindness is something that we always have to be aware of. Or maybe you want to see, say, spiritual nearsightedness, farsightedness. Just something that is not 2020 where we are not seeing the clear picture. Because you are constantly making decisions based on this world, what you see, what you hear, all of the external. You understand the weather, you understand what's going on in all these different areas, but you have spiritual blindness and therefore nothing works at all. The Pharisees and the Sadducees were in the know. They were in the know about different things, but they wanted to be in the know. They wanted to be the leaders. They wanted to be the influencers. So they had to have their hands in all of these things to know about all of these things. But Jesus says, you're spiritually blind. They wanted to know about weather, politics, Rome, temple traditions, which was a ridiculous amount of them, all of these things. But spiritual blindness was their problem. Let me show you something in Jude. That's how we can avoid this spiritual blindness. First of all, of course, you have to have Christ or you're blind. Listen what Jude says in 20 to 22. But you, beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, prayer removes blindness. Prayer will remove blindness in any area you're struggling with. I remember I was at a conference a few weeks ago, and the person speaking said, he said, if I would pray an hour a day, I could make 80 decisions that day. This is a guy who, multiple campuses, were all, just all kind of big stuff. Decisions constantly. He said, if I would pray an hour a day, I could make 80 decisions that day. He said, if I had not prayed an hour that day, I could go eight hours and couldn't make one good one. That's what he said. Someone who's been in ministry 50 years successfully. 
but you, beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of God. Oh, stay in the love of God. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. So if we do those things, look what verse 22 says. And on some have compassion, making a... Somebody can see. Amen? Somebody can see because we must make decisions making a distinction. You will know which way you need to go, what decision needs to be made. But on others, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. So it's amazing about this. It's a highly relational statement too. You will be able to know how to treat some when to have mercy, when to use judgment, when you need to just pull them away or when you just need to ease them along. Come on. What if, what if we could make better decisions with our relationships? Would life be better? Oh, yes. Come on. All the married people said, amen. <laughs> Let's go back to our text. It almost seems like an overreaction of Jesus when he says, hypocrites, exclamation point. And then he says in verse 4, a wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign and no sign will be given. They came to him saying, now Jesus knows the hearts of all men. They came to him saying, give us a sign. If you give us a sign, we may be more likely to believe. If you will prove to us, although he just has done many miracles and all these things, if you will prove to us who you are, then we will get on your team. I can say this in no stronger word. That is blasphemy. If you will do what I say... I will go on your side. The God of the universe sets truth. The God of the universe is in charge. And for us to say, you do what I want and then I will follow you is blasphemy to the highest degree. There's no other way to say it. In this culture we live in, if God will, then I will. Absolutely not. The God of the universe deserves all glory and all honor and all power and all praise. And I'm a sinner saved by nothing but the grace of God. Every day I live is his amazing grace. I deserve nothing. And this is the holy rage of Jesus coming out of him. You wicked and adulterous generation. The air you're breathing now I've given you. And my sign is not enough. What Isaiah said was not enough. The way I've set up everything is not enough. My plan is imperfect. My salvation, you do not like the road it's going on. Oh, no. This is why it's, it's, it's this holy rage that comes out of him. Because they say, when you do it like I want it, Then we'll talk. That is the rebellion of rebellion. From a creation to its creator. But that's not us. Come on, look at someone and say, that's not us. That's not us. No, 
Oh God, be far from it. Let me be far from it, God. That is not us. That's not the heart that the Holy Spirit put in you. That's not the heart that the Word of God is in you. That's not it. You are not of these unbelieving, wicked Pharisees and Sadducees. I didn't know I'd be saying that this morning. So what's our takeaway from this? Number two on your notes. Love the truth for the truth's sake. I have personified Jesus Christ as truth. I think I biblically can say that. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Revelation said, written on him is faithful and true. Why do we love Jesus? Why? Why do we follow him in difficult times? Why do, like the disciples who have just done their second 12-hour shift on picking up bread, they're exhausted, feeding thousands. Bread's heavy. You know, Jesus is not making no light bread. That's, that sticks to your ribs, bread. Ezekiel 4.9 is probably what he made. I don't know. They're exhausted. Why? Because they of children of the truth and they love the truth. It's, he's walking truth right in front of me. That's why we love and serve Jesus, for his sake, for who he is, not what he does. They want something. Show me a sign. They don't love him and they don't love the truth. We love the truth. Amen? Love the truth for the truth's sake. Because we're children of the light. This is what John said in 2 John 1, 4. I rejoiced greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth as we receive commandment from the Father. There is, there is very few greater joyous places on the planet than a group of Christians walking in the truth. Than a group of Christians walking in the truth and the light of Jesus Christ. Amen? I mean, so he really gives it to these Pharisees and Sadducees. Maybe he was just tired too. <laughs> I think he was ex- he's a man, right? He's exhausted too. It's been a long day. He gets in the boat. As soon as he gets there, boom, they're in his face. I do not have time for this. I'm going to tell you what else it is too. He, he stepped up as a defender of his disciples. I'm not, you're not coming in here on... He, 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 right, he's the door of the gate, right? The door's closed. You're not coming in on these disciples. They're tired. They're exhausted. They've been obeying me. They've been striving and doing everything. And in fact, Jesus says, we're not staying here. No sign except the sign of Jonah. And he left them and departed. Now that's a powerful statement. We usually see Jesus going, and he does. He leaves the 99, pursuing, going after, whether it's stooping down on the ground for the woman who's caught in adultery, whether it's going and pushing in with the crowds everywhere. We usually see Jesus going, going, going. And at this time, he says, no, I'm not going to be here, and my people are not going to be here under these influences. And he left them and departed. 
the culture we live in, um, and I just thought about this this week, and I think, well, Lord, what are you telling us to do? What do we need to do? What is this text telling us to do? What is the text telling us to do? Number three on your notes. The day of separation is here. I wish I could say I shouldn't have I. I'm not talking about you. I don't know all of you. I shouldn't have needed the six months of looking at the insane turmoil and wickedness of our culture to know this already. But after observing it over the many months, I said, oh, Lord, the day of separation is here. I must separate myself from wicked influences in this world and my children. I must decide, and here's just a few I wrote down. My close relationships must be godly. They cannot be worldly. you got to work with people. You have acquaintances, all those things. But my relationships must be godly. My children's relationships must be godly. Education and influence must be godly. Maybe the influence is the word you want to use. The influencers of my life, of my family life, they must be God-centered. There must be a separation from anything that influences me negatively. Amen? Information. This is a hard one for us. Information is constant. Oh, Lord, I need the filter of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. And where I need to turn off that valve, just turn it off. There has to be a separation between God's people and the world. And don't worry about it. It's not like it's not going to happen. God is going to do it. And he will separate his people from the sheep and the goats. There he will divide the line and he will call out as his grace always does. He will call out who is on the Lord's side. And everyone will make a decision. He will call out. He always has a voice that says who is on the Lord's side. And the separation must come. Amen? We are separate. We are set apart. We are called by His name. And I don't know what's going on in your life or how your day looks or work looks or parenting and schooling and da-da-da-da. You do. I want to encourage you. And He departed. Ask the Lord, where do I need to separate? What relationships? What time? What information? What influencers is the key? Where do I need to separate in those areas? As we close this up, Jesus finishes a statement with, Jesus said, watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Now, leaven in a Jewish mind is like saying, watch out for the Hitlers of life in in our world. Leaven, or yeast, is a constant, their strongest way to say the influence of evil or sin. Remember, it goes all the way back to what? The Passover. Sweep it all, nothing in the house, no leaven, you're coming out pure. So leaven in the Jewish mind is Hitler in our world. So it would have been a really strong statement for them. Now, this... The disciples are struggling with some spiritual blindness themselves because he makes this huge statement about leaven. It gets in. It, let me 
speak correctly about leaven. I'm not a cook, about yeast. It first sours, it smells, it spreads, it corrupts the whole lump, and it does all of it secretly, right? If you put yeast in bread and you set it aside, it'll do all of that even in a dark room. You'll never even know it. And you come back and, whoa, what happened? That's the picture in those guys' mind. And they're thinking about the earthly, about I forgot to close the garage door. That's what they're concerned about. Now let's come to our world. We usually get hung up when we forget to do the trivial things in life. When we let our spouse down, our kids down, we usually get hung up on the trivial things like the disciples did. If my son came to me, and he's done this before, and I said, Ben, you didn't take out the trash. You forgot. Oh, oh I forgot this and that. The, the baby was pulling my leg. I would really not be that upset, but Ben is an oldest child perfectionist like his mother, and he gets very down on himself when he doesn't cross a T and he doesn't dot an I. And all of us have that in us too. It's perfectionism. The sin of Adam is really what it is. We're trying to make it on our own. Jesus is very unconcerned that you failed in your humanity about taking out the trash. What he really wants you to be aware of is if my son came to me, he said, Dad, I really don't understand the grace of God. That is leaven. Not all the other stuff we, we focus on, we obsess about, whether it's a perfectly clean house or... I have seen people lose their mind when someone parks sideways in a parking spot. That is not the focus of life. That's the disciples saying, oh no, did we forget the bread? Jesus said, what I want you to watch out for is the doctrine that comes in here and lives in here. Amen? Because this is what matters right here. I'm not concerned about the sideways parking spot near as much. As we close, let me tell you how the writer of Hebrews said it in Hebrews 3.12, and I added 13 also. Hebrews 3.12, here I can read it. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of what? The worst of all yeast and leaven in any part of your mind, according to Hebrews, is what? Unbelief. In departing from the living God. Now watch, you have a responsibility. We all have this responsibility every day in our life. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness. That's another word used for 
things like leaven, the deceitfulness of sin. We have a responsibility to not focus on the sideways parked vehicle, but on leaven that would enter our heart and mind. Amen? That's it. Let's stand up. Spiritual blindness, we're aware of. We love the truth for truth's sake, and we understand that separation is coming. Let's get ahead of it, right? Isn't it good when you plan well? It's coming. The Lord is doing it in His marvelous grace because He's coming back for a pure, spotless bride. So let's spend this few minutes reflecting on those three things, but moreover on the Word of God, the Word of the living God. And let the Holy Spirit just speak to you, convict you, exhort you, encourage you as we see the day approaching. Just you and Jesus. Imagine you are on in Galilee after the resurrection. And he said, go, meet me there. And he brought you out to the edge of town. All of us together. And he speaks those last words and he spends that last time with the disciples before his ascension. Let me ask you a question. How precious would that time be with Jesus in the life of those disciples? Let's just make this time precious in our life. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your word, Lord. We're your disciples. You protect us, Lord, from ungodly influences. And you warn us as you have always warned us and always give us your word. And voices that say, watch out for godless influences. Whether they are moral And trying to achieve a morality, a niceness, just be nice to everyone like the Pharisees and abide by these laws. Or some kind of Sadducee, you can believe in God, but he really has no bearing or no influence on your life. But we don't want any of that. We want you and you alone, the way, the truth, and the life. Remove leaven out of our life, Lord out of our heart, out of our mind. It is our prayer. I just reflect and spend a moment with Jesus. working
never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you are. Just worship as we close. Just worship as we close. And our prayer today is verse 12. Then they understood. Then they understood. Let's pray as we thank God for an increase of understanding. Father, I thank you as your people that you are increasing our understanding. You are increasing our understanding. Lord, you are patient with us. You'll say it again if you need to. You'll protect us when we, you need to, Lord. I thank you that if the disciples understood, we'll understood. Because we have the same faith, the like common faith as Peter proclaimed. I thank you that understanding is increasing in everyone in this room. Spiritual understanding, biblical understanding, relational understanding. Lord, I thank you that the complex systems of this world, the false doctrines and ideologies are becoming clear to us and we'll know where to stay away and where to go to. I thank you, God, that you are increasing the understanding of your people in this time. Lord, in this time, as you purify your church, as you purify your people, as you make us a holy people unto you, a bride without spot or wrinkle, I thank you, God, that you are increasing the understanding of your people. In Jesus' mighty, wonderful name, and everyone said, Amen and amen. Now let's praise him and thank him and thank him. Amen and amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great day.